Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. Brilliant to have you with me. Thank you so much for downloading this episode and thank you for not only downloading it, but actually listening to it as well. Um, you don't get brownie points for just downloading. You do need to listen to content, don't you? Massive thank you for doing that. Now, recently, as some of the listeners of this podcast know, the Bible Book by Book won an award. It won the award for Best Bible Reference Book of the Year. Uh, best Bible Reference Book. I'm so chuffed that that book, sorry, for those who are listening from more afar, like the US, you might not know what the word chuffed means. It means happy. I'm happy. So that's definitely a Yorkshireism. Uh, really happy really chuffed that it has won this award of best reference book of the year and the bible for me is just this centerpiece of how i access and understand uh, the will of god the life of god what god has for me uh, who he is to me this big story of god the scriptures are this gift to us yes we have prayer as well which is what we need yes we have the work of the holy spirit with god speaking to us still today gift of prophecy and the prophetic stuff yes 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 yes. but the bible is this centerpiece this gift from god the story of god the narrative of god the people of god uh, communicating this beautiful sonnet symphony screenplay street map to us it's all of these four things this previous episode um, which i'll link to in the show notes where i talk about the bible as a sonnet a symphony a screenplay a street map it's all of those things and I love it. That's why I wrote about the Bible in, in, in the, the Bible book. In, in the Bible book, the new edition, for those of you that bought the new edition, there was a new intro. And in the new intro, I actually talk about uh, two different ways that people, human beings, can read the Bible. Uh, and I'm going to riff off that today. This Today's episode is essentially, you know, how, how do I understand the Bible? How can I understand what the Bible is saying? And to understand the Bible, we have to understand what it is. Uh, so in, in this episode, we're going to explore what is the Bible, because the Bible is not one thing. Uh, the Bible is multiple. It's a library, and it's a library made up of different kinds of literature. And depending on the kind of literature uh, or the kind of book that you're reading, the books of the book, depends on how you might engage with it. Some books of the Bible are not to be taken literally, and unfortunately end up being taken literally. Um, some books of the Bible are to be put, taken literally. Uh, there are books of the Bible that are actually a bit grey in the middle. Like, is this literal? Do we not take it literally? What do we do with this? So we're going to explore that today. I'm going to talk about how do we understand the Bible as we're reading it. How do we know what it is that we're actually reading? So that's what I'm going to jump in and talk about today. Hey friends, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, there is a way of liking uh, the, the podcast episode that's really helpful for the podcast it's really helpful if you share it love this episode just going to share this to my facebook to my instagram that kind of thing that is really helpful on twitter that's really really helpful as well the other thing you could do you could support the podcast by buying us a coffee and in the show notes there's a little link it says uh, how to buy us a coffee and one of the ways you can support us is buying us a coffee so when we're recording this podcast we can sit with a cup of coffee uh just a little way of blessing us as we uh, weekly put these together so i'm going to jump in let's get going let's talk about the bible let's talk about what it is let's talk about how we might read it so here we go what is the bible the bible is essentially a library 
of mini books together that is creating one book. Essentially, the Bible is an omni omnibus, the right word. It's a collection of other books that you buy. It's called the Bible Library. And what we are doing when we're reading the Bible is we are reading from the books within the book. So you cannot read the Bible as you start on page one and you end on page 999. Reading it like that is not going to give you a straight narrative because there are certain books of the Bible that jump around the same time frames and move backwards and forwards. Now that does not mean that you cannot read the Bible from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and so on. Doesn't mean you can't do that. But most people get stuck, don't they? You know, people say to me, Chris, I started reading the Bible, then I hit Leviticus, and I just didn't know what to do with that. So I hit pause. And there is a problem that if you try reading it like you would read a normal book, uh, that you get stuck at certain points of it, and you, you, people just end up giving up. And this is why some of the reading programs have you reading a bit of a psalm, having you read a bit of the New Testament, a little bit of the Old Testament, giving you a little bit of everything so that as you read through it in the year, you're reading from all halves of the book. Um, now, to understand the Bible, you need to understand what you are reading. Now, I want you to imagine there's a table in front of you. And on this table, I am going to put nine objects. And each of these objects get engaged with differently. Object number one is a newspaper. Object number two is a history book. Object number three is a, is a biography. Object number four is a school textbook. Object number five is a comic book. Object number six is a songbook. Object number seven is a map book. Object number eight is a tweet, um, a, a text message kind of thing, a tweet. Object number nine is a personal letter. Now let me ask you this question. So in front of you, newspaper, history book, uh, biography, textbook, uh, comic book, song book, map book, tweet, personal letter. If I was to say to you, which do you use to get from Yorkshire to Devon? You wouldn't pick a tweet or a personal letter unless in the personal letter they're giving you instructions. You wouldn't read a comic book. You would read a map book. A map book is what you would need to navigate from Yorkshire to Devon. What do you use to understand what has happened in the past? Well, you could go to a history book. And a history book would lay out the history. Well, what about a newspaper? So you could get an old newspaper. An old newspaper would tell you history. But it would tell you some form of history. It would be history that has an agenda to it or propaganda to it. It would have a left wing or a right wing, maybe agenda to that history retelling. Uh, whereas the history book might be a little bit more balanced. But essentially both would would do the same thing. You could get maybe a school history textbook. That might. You wouldn't necessarily go to the to a comic book. And you wouldn't necessarily go to a song book. Unless there was a song that had been written about that historical event. Or a comic book that had been written about that historical event. You would go to a history book. Okay, So what do you do when you um, want to know how somebody feels about you? Uh, well, if you want to know how somebody feels about you, well, a personal letter. It might be that a personal letter has been written that tells you what they think about you. It might be a tweet or a text message that somebody has written about you. And if somebody 
is particularly in a romantic relationship with a songwriter, they might write a song about you. So you could have gone to the song, you could have gone to the personal letter, you could have gone to the tweet, but you wouldn't have gone to a history book to find out how somebody loves you, okay? So what about this one? What do you use when you're on the go? You're, you're traveling from one place to the other, uh, you're moving at speed. Uh, well, you wouldn't really go to a comic book because you're, you're moving fast, 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 fast. You're not going to be able to go to a comic book. You're not going to read a bibliography while you're walking in the street on the go. Those things don't work. But you might read a tweet or you might read a text message. So when you're on the go, you want something that's pacey, short, to sync. So you might look at your Twitter account or you might read a text message from a friend, that kind of thing. So you'd look at different texts at different times. So what do you use to learn more about a person? As an individual you want to know more about. We well, could go to a history book if they're written about in a history book. But what would be really interesting is if you go, go to the bibli uh, the biography. Have they written a biography about themselves? Is there a book written about that individual that would give you direct story of that person? Well, you could do that. You could go to the, to the biography over going to a history book. Oh, that's possible. You know, you could go to an old newspaper to find something out about somebody if they're in the newspapers. Um, but more than anything, you might go to a, a, a biography book to learn more about them. Well, what do you use then to understand what happened in the past? What happened? Not why it happened, but, but what happened? Well, to understand what happened, you might go to history. Uh, that that would be a helpful place for you. You might go to a collection of personal letters, maybe. Somebody might have written some personal letters about what happened in the past. And you can go to personal letters and get out information from, from that. But you might have to do a bit more work to find out what happened. Um, but actually go to a history book where you can look at the date, look at the events. That might give you the cleanest, clearest way of understanding exactly what happened. But there are other ways that you might do that, but it might be a bit more hard work. You see, friends... All of those things that I've just listed to you, the newspaper, the history book, the biography, the textbook, the comic book, the songbook, the map book, the tweet, the personal letter, they all can tell you truth. They all can tell you what happened, um, but some of them are going to have a clear agenda behind them. Some of them are going to have a, a very distinct angle on what they're telling you from their position. And it may well have a propaganda to it. This is how they see the events that is happened. That happened. You know, it's interesting. Recently, reading about the the war um, that uh, Russia is in with the Ukraine, and what is being said in in their newspapers and what's said in our newspapers is very different because there's a different propaganda uh, going on with those newspapers. So they, they are they are different. Uh, but each of these things, the newspaper, the history book, the, the biography, the textbook, the comic book, the song book, the map book, the tweet, the personal letter, they are all there as devices to communicate with us. But different ones of them are communicating a different message, a different idea, a different way of communicating, different means of communicating that can give you a different message. Friends, this is exactly the same as what we find in the Bible. See, let me just unpack this for a moment. So a newspaper, a newspaper gives you the events of what happened from a particular angle of left wing and right wing. And it will give you some observation and some debate on the events that have happened. A history book should just tell you this is what happened. It's not there to debate with you. It's not there to give its own personal views. It's there to tell you squarely this is the events of what happened. So the difference between a newspaper and a history book is a history book is much 
uh, much better to go to look at the history because they're going to give you the straight facts, whereas the newspaper is going to give you an angle on it, or an agenda to it. A biography is interesting because a biography, that is going to tell you the personal history of a, of a person. So again, it has a history in it, but it's coming from a particular interpretation. It's their personal interpretation. So a biography book is going to tell you what happened from their angle. And that in itself is going to have its own angle and its own agenda and its own propaganda because they're going to want to paint a picture about themselves in a particular way and others in a particular way. But a biography is history from an individual's perspective, whereas a history book is what has happened from a maybe global perspective or a national perspective. Let's look at a textbook for a moment. See, a textbook, let's talk about science textbook. A science textbook is not interested in angles and agendas it just wants to tell you the mechanics and the details of what happens when if you drop in a piece of potassium into liquid it would explode and it does this uh, it gives you straight facts so a textbook is just straight detail it's not there to try and pacify you or try to explain why something might be the way it may be it's just telling you what it is this is it what about a comic book for a moment? Well, a comic book, it tells you, a comic book generally tells you a myth of somebody like a superhero. Although comic books can be used in lots of different ways. Very often a comic book is telling you the myth of a superhero, uh, an untrue event um, that is teaching you a moral or an idea. You know, the, the Superman comic is teaching you the moral of hope and the moral of the saviour. And, uh, and somebody needs to stand up for those below them. It's teaching you a moral. But also, comics can be used and engaged with, with real-life events. I remember reading a comic book a number of years ago, and the comic book is set during 9-11. And in the telling of what happens in 9-11, which is history, in the story, Spider-Man is saving a young girl. Uh, during 9-11 and it's it's 9-11 from Spider-Man's perspective I thought it was really interesting a historical event from the perspective of Spider-Man but Spider-Man isn't real so it's not history is it but it is history because it's talking about an event that actually happened now that should mess with your brain is it is the Spider-Man comic true is it untrue is it somewhat true is it true from a particular perspective true up to a particular point or is it just untrue well, 9-11 happened, Twin Towers were destroyed and many people lost their lives. Truth, history, but told from a particular perspective using the narrative device of a superhero and the narrative device of a comic book. So there are ways of talking about history with different devices that still says something is true, but done in an untruthful way. Does that make sense? true but told in an untruthful way it didn't happen quite like this from this perspective but we're going to tell you it from this perspective in this way so you understand what happened on 9-11 which is interesting because if you're a comic book reader uh, and you're a young person you could learn about 9-11 by reading about spider-man and you can understand what happened on 9-11 and the twin towers and the terrorist attack um, so you can learn about those events essentially from something that's not telling you full history Okay then, so we talked about comic books, what about the songbook? So a songbook can be romantic, it can be a song of lament, it could be a poetic song. You could write a song that tells the story, I'm going to use 9-11 again as an example, it's not uh, the wisest maybe, but events that happened on 9-11. 
you could have an individual that writes a song about the experience of what happened from a particular person's perspective. You could write a song, say, as a firefighter. You could write a song from the perspective of somebody in one of the towers. So it's a song that is telling you the emotion of, of what happened. It, now, it isn't going to tell you the whole story, and it's going to give you it from a particular poetic style. So it's not going to give you all of the information, but it's going to give you something of the emotion of that event. It's going to tell you um, some you know, idea of what happened, but it ain't going to give you all of that history. And that's really important because like songbooks or poetic books are a, me a mechanism for telling you about history or telling you a story uh, that could be fictitious, that has a moral compass to it, a moral idea. It could be an event that actually happened. It could be something that is based on a character that existed uh, but they, the events didn't exist you know you can play with those kind of things those things are elastic um, so it can be quite difficult or oh, did that actually happen or did that not happen you don't know you have to listen to the song and then you go off and research the events of behind it but the song could tell you a song about 9-11 as an example uh, that educates you something about the emotion of that event um, but won't give you the whole picture so like a comic book these things are creative tools, but you've got to be careful with them because they may not give you the the whole picture or may give it from a particular perspective that is somewhat deceptive to you because you've also got to know that Superman isn't real kind of thing. You get that? Seventh one, I said we had a map book. Now, a map book is interesting because a map book ain't going to give you history. Uh, it, might, it might communicate what uh, the terrain was like in that day or in a particular period of time, so you have a map book from a particular era. But a map book isn't going to tell you a story. It's not going to tell you about characters, but it is going to tell you how to get from A to B. It's going to tell you how do we get from here to there. How do we navigate the complexities of the landscape that's in front of us? So the map book is a tool that we use to navigate uh, and, and kind of make our way round the terrain that is in front of us. Tweet. What's a tweet? Uh, tweet is 140 characters uh, they can be quite dense they can pack in a lot of information to a small space of time it's not a blog it's not an article it's not an exposition on something uh, but it is a very dense little set of characters that may say something to you so for example um, a tweet might be something like this Jesus went to the cross for you to show you he was not cross with you Say that again Jesus went to the cross for you to show you that he was not cross with you and what we've got there we've got a poetic phrase uh, that's using the word cross that god jesus went to the cross he was because he was not cross with you but it's using the word cross as a poetic little sentence to educate you on something jesus died for you because he was not angry with you but it's in a poetic form a little bit like a proverb you could say and you, with that kind of thing you could chew on that for for a little while jesus went to the cross for you to show you that he was not cross with you something to chew on it's got a little bit depth to it a bit poetic you can play around with that and, and meditate on it a little while a tweet is a small dense moment in itself that's it nothing more that's all you're going to get that's what a tweet is. And then you've got a personal letter. A personal letter might be something that comes from a friend or a family member that might be there to reminisce on the events positively with you. Do you remember when we... Wasn't it amazing when we did that, that kind of thing? Uh, it might be there to encourage you. Hey, I just love you and I love what you're about and 
Although we don't see each other for a very well, you know, for a while, this is how I think fondly of you. It may be something that's there to correct or to, to direct. Hey, I've heard from Mum that you are. Do you think about doing this? Just really want to say no. You don't need to do that. Um, there's something better for you. Just want to encourage you that you could go in a different direction. It might be there to kind of direct you. So a letter, a personal letter, can do do a whole bunch of different things. So here you've got newspaper, history book, biography, textbook, comic book, song book, map book, tweet, personal letter. Which of those is the Bible? The answer is all of it. All of it. The Bible. And not and this is what's really bothering some people is not whole books of the Bible are the same. So some books of the Bible like Daniel, the first half is a is a history book. It's a, uh, almost a biography of the life of the people of God in uh, in captivity the second half is a prophecy book it's a poetic prophetic book so you can't say how do you read Daniel well, you read Daniel as a history book or take it or literally well then you start getting to chapters eight when there's demons dragons and fire and oh, what do I do with this do we actually believe that this is literal the danger is people take prophetic texts and read it literally no, you read the first half literally. You read the second half as a poem that needs interpretation. Let's talk about Genesis for a moment. This is where people get very stuck with Genesis. Genesis is often seen as a history book from verse 1 of chapter 1 all the way through. The book of Genesis as history. Friends, I'm now not saying it's not history, but the first chapter of the book of Genesis is written poetically, and there's rhyming Hebrew in there. And it's a very different style to Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 1 is laid out as a poem on the first day this happened, on the second day this happened, on the third day this happened. And it ends each time with, and it was good, and it was good. And it gets to the very end, and it's very good. Poem. Now, how do you interpret a poem? A poem needs careful interpretation. Because it could be talking about a history event. It could be talking about a historical event, but with a poetic framework to it. And a, a poem can play with the truth of something without it changing the truth. That makes sense. And this is where we get to really stuck sometimes about is the Bible true uh, or is it truth? Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God created the world in seven days in a poetic way. Is it important that it was seven? The seven is a poetic uh, tool. Uh, it tells us that God created the world in these seven days. Actually, the Hebrew doesn't say seven days. The Hebrew says most probably seven phases or seven periods of time, but does clearly map onto the week. And we talk about the first week. Um, but it's a poetic tool that is used in the same way to map onto the week uh, timescale. Uh, that we have so you've got this interesting thing Genesis chapter 1 poet poetic it's a bit of a song it rhymes you can sing it and the Jews would sing it and they would sing it in such a way that you remember it it was written in a, in, in a way that became memorable Genesis chapter 1 now Genesis chapter 2 this becomes a more historical book not newspaper but much more historical events and it just lines up how things played out so you have to read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and onwards very differently but people don't. And they take Genesis 1 word for word because the Bible says it. Therefore, that's what happened. Without understanding that the genre of the text 
may change the way you read that book. Now, I'm not saying God didn't create the world in seven days. Not at all. I actually believe that that was right. I believe that's what God did. But I think the whole book of the first chapter of Genesis, chapter one, you have to handle very carefully because it's not about this is what happened. It's a poem on what happened. And we have to be really careful with that because it is actually written. If you read the book of Genesis, chapter one, you read it. Imagine being sat in a field writing Genesis chapter 1, looking at the stars, looking at the ground. It's crafted as if somebody sat there watching it happen in front of them. You can imagine somebody writing this while sat on a chair in a field looking out. It's led from a human perspective, not from a God's perspective. Really interesting how it's put together. So the book of Genesis chapter 1, we have to be really careful with that. So how do you read Genesis chapter 1? We read it as a poem that's telling us the events, not a science document. But Genesis chapter 1 is now it may give us some science, it may give us something that helps us connect with science. Genesis chapter 1 is not science, it's not a textbook. So the way we engage with it has to be carefully done. Um, and, and there are other books that, that, that may do this. Um, so understanding what it is changes how we may read it. So the Psalms, to know the Psalm is a song and a poem. It's full, full of lament. It's full, full of joy. Uh, it's it's got language in there. You know, the scriptures talk about God being a shepherd. It's poetic language. Is God actually a shepherd? Well, God has the function of a shepherd. He cares for his flock. You and I are not flock. We're human beings. Uh, so it's a poetic picture that is used. So to take it literally would make God a shepherd and make Jesus a shepherd. But Jesus isn't a shepherd. He functions in a shepherding way, but he's a human being. Actually, he's God in flesh. Um, but he does not walk around with a shepherd's crook, and he does not deal with sheep. He deals with people. Um, and, you know, when Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, feed my sheep, you've got to understand that there's metaphor going on here. You've got to understand that he's not saying Jesus... Uh, Peter, I want you to look after my sheep that are in the field back there. I know we've been on mission together talking to human beings, but I'm leaving a field full of sheep for you. No, Peter's to look after human beings. So to understand the metaphor, and that, that metaphor's throughout the Bible, you've got to hold it lightly then. Uh, and there's this danger that we want to be so... We're gonna, the Bible has to be fully interpreted you know, as it is. We can't change it and understand it indifferently. No, but some of it's meant to be understood as a poem. And how you engage with that literature takes maturity. Some of the most immature Christians I know are the ones who just take it totally literally because they're not engaging with what actually is the text. So for a little bit of an example, um, apart from Genesis verse 1, Genesis 2 onwards and Exodus, they're narrative, aren't they? Um, Leviticus, well, that's not so much narrative. Uh, that's more of a textbook, how to run uh, a tabernacle, how to run acts of worship, how to run life as the people of God. It's, it's textbook. If you ever try reading a science textbook, you are going to get stuck. You can't read that in bed before bedtime. But that's how people and they get stuck in Leviticus and go, oh, well, I found Leviticus really difficult to read. Of course you did. You read a bloody science textbook or a religious law textbook. Book of Numbers. Well, actually, that's history. Deuteronomy is his history as well. Uh, is narrative and that carries on through but once you get to the book of Job friends the book of Job is not narrative 
the book of Job is in a group of books. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon and Lamentations are called wisdom literature. It's a particular writing style. I want to just blow your mind for a moment. It came to my attention from a Jewish perspective a while ago about the book of Job. The book of Job was written as a street play performed with one actor on the stage at any one time. So Job gets up, he has, says what he has to say and sits down. Then his friend gets up and says what he has to say and sits down. And then God will say something and the devil will say something and they will sit down. And it was a street performance. Job was, and it's crazy. If you now read it in the Hebrew, you go, blimey, this really is a play. It's a play crafted for people to read, to perform, to debate this idea of where is God in suffering. It's not a historical story. Now, does that mean that Job didn't exist? Not at all. Job or the person of Job may have existed. His name might not have been Job. We don't know. The name Job may have been changed uh, for that street play um, to hide his identity. We don't know. But what we do know is it is designed to be performed. So is the book of Esther. The original book of Esther is designed to be performed during a Jewish festival called Purim. And it is meant to be performed as it's humorous. In, in English, it loses the humor. But in the original Hebrew, it rhymes and it's humorous. So the book of Job, designed to be a street play. The book of Esther, designed to be performed on the stage. We have then got them written down in text in our Bible and we end up engaging with them as if they're history. Now, what I'm not saying is that they're not based on historical events, but what I'm saying is they're designed in such a way to debate something with us about where is God in suffering, to communicate something with us. So understanding what we're reading is super important, super, super important. So you've got the narrative writings of the Bible, you've got the wisdom literature, you've got the prophetic books of the Bible, you have you're the major prophets and the minor prophets, the major prophets of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Remember, Daniel, half is narrative and, and half is prophet. Then you've got the, what we call the minor prophets of Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, on on and on, on to, to Malachi. And then you've got in the New Testament narrative again. We call them gospels, um, the evangelion, the, the announcements of Jesus. We have these gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are narrative. Uh, the book of Acts, again, is narrative, historical texts. Uh, and then you've got a whole bunch of letters. So Paul's letters and Peter's letters and book of James and book of John. They're all letters. And the way you engage with those letters is different because remember, a letter is an emotional, it, it can be pointing out an event that happened and it's got a bit of teaching in there. Uh, so the, the writings of Paul, these letters need to be read differently to the historical documents. This is now Peter, Paul, James's um, personal view on on how to live as disciples of Jesus. Now that does not mean they're not God breathed and that God didn't speak through these guys, but we do have to recognize that they are the writings of human beings. They're letters. They're letters. They're not telling you what happened. Uh, they're just telling you how to live out what we have seen. To understand that Paul is to be wrestled with. Why is he saying that? What's his view on that? Why does he think that's important? And that doesn't mean that you can pick and choose from Paul because Paul is wisdom, so writing, writing in wisdom form. But understand, the book of Paul is written by a human being. God breathed, God spoke through Paul, God was anointed when he was writing those things, but they are written by Paul. And friends, let me just be brutally honest about Paul. 
Paul is complex to read. His Greek writing style is like a tangled ball half the time that you've got to untangle. If you ever read a passage of Paul, you have end up going, how do I untangle that mess? Because Paul's Greek is tangled. Uh, Peter's uh, Greek is much more uh, simple, working class kind of language. It's not as tangled in the same way as Paul. doesn't use the same kind of Greek as Paul. Uh, and he's a bit more simple to understand because he was a simple fisherman. So these letters are all written in the style of the original writer. And that's got to be really understood as well when you come to interpretation. Then you've got the book of Revelation. That's prophetic, what's going to come. So friends, that's a bit of a whistle-stop tour on these different books and books of the Bible and, and how you might engage with them. But I want to land you with this little thought. If you're still listening, thank you for being here. Um, there are two different ways of engaging with the Bible, a Western engaging of the Bible or an Eastern engaging with the Bible. A Westerner asks a certain set of questions of the Bible. Question number one, did it really happen and is it historical? We are really... Postmodernism and the modernistic thinking, we want concrete stuff. Did it happen? Uh, so we want to know what's the historical evidence. Um, we want to know, does it solve my problems? Because we are the center of the universe, aren't we? Does it solve my problems? Uh, we want to know, are the people real? Uh, were their names exactly as they're named? What's the proof? Nowhere existed. That's what we're after. Uh, does it fit with my world that I know? Does this fit me? And ultimately, we want to know the question, do I like it? Does this sound about right to me? Uh, does this fit for me? As if it's all about us. So that's a Western worldview. Now, an Easterner reads the Bible very differently. When they read the Bible, they ask a very different set of questions. These are the questions they ask. Why did the writer tell me this story? Lots of things have happened in history. Lots of moments that God has acted. Why have they chosen this story to tell me? What's important about this story that needs remembering? Secondly, why did the writer choose to write it like this? You know, they could have reused any narrative style. Um, they could have written uh, the book of Numbers as a song. Why did they choose to write it as history? Why is it important that they used this particular uh, writing style? Second, uh, thirdly, why did the writer use the word this word and not that word? Uh, so why is it that uh, in the book of Genesis uh, it uses the word created over the word made? For example, why are they telling me it was created and it wasn't made? You know, that kind of debate you can have with the, the different words. They want to know why they use this word and not that word. Um, fourthly, how can we enter the story? They want to know how do I get into this story? Who, I'm, Which character am I in this story? What part do I play in this story? Um, in the story of uh, Esther, you know, am I meant to be Esther? Or, or am I meant to be Mordecai? Like, who am I in this story? Who am I here with Jesus? Am I the Jesus character in this story? Or am I the person being healed in this story? Or am I a, some, like a disciple that's watching to learn from the story? Uh, then it goes on, uh, what does the story ask of me? What am I now being asked to do differently because I've read this story? That's the fifth question they would ask. What does the story ask of me? And then the, the final question would be this. Where have I heard this story before? Have I heard this story before? So when Jesus... He steps into the woman that's about to be stoned. Uh, where have I heard that story before? Well, actually, the Jews had heard that story before. There was a very similar story found in a book that the Jews had called Bell and the Dragon. There's a story of a girl uh, that was being set up to be stoned, and, and Daniel steps in. It's not in our uh, Christian Bible, but it's in the Hebrew Scriptures. It was one of the Hebrew books called Bell and the Dragon. The Catholics actually have a copy of it in their uh, their Bible, what, the middle bit that's called the Apocrypha. Um, 
where have I heard this before? You know, sometimes you no. Know, where's this story come from? Well, why, why am I? Why am I being told that Jesus steps in? Well, it may be that it's re- trying to remind you of something that happened in the Book of Daniel. You know, it's that kind of thing. So that's what they're asking. Well, um, this question of have I heard the story before? What does this story ask of me? How can I enter the story? So, friends, I'm going to do a little bit more in the next couple of episodes on the Bible. Uh, but I wanted to just kick off that conversation around uh, genre of the Bible, writing style, uh, and understanding what you're reading and change how you read it. Uh, and actually, what I've given you there is um, it's not a liberal understanding of Scripture. It's a, it's a high understanding of Scripture. Uh, being a conservative evangelical Christian, I, you know, I'm somebody who really loves the Word of God, um, wants to understand the word, word of God. And what I'm sharing with you here is super orthodox. Uh, understanding the genre can un- help us understand how we are to interpret uh, what we are reading is it to be taken word for word is it to be taken as a whole statement or is it something that we are to understand the meanings of the the uh, um, what is the writer trying to communicate with me here through this so i hope you find that's a little bit longer than usual but i needed to kind of unpack some of that stuff with us as we think about how do we go about understanding and reading the bible friends don't lead leviticus unless you really want to go into the nuts and bolts of being a Jewish priest. Go to the narratives first, the narrative of Genesis and Exodus, the narrative of the Gospels. Go to narrative first. Go to the Psalms uh, as well. And those are the places that you'll find the big God story. But I'm going to continue next week on how to read the Bible with a few things that you can think about that would help you now read the books knowing the, the the genre friends i hope that has been a helpful whistle stop tour of different writing styles and might have just unlocked something for you you go oh that's how i meant to understand this friends until next time breathe enjoy life enjoy jesus and i'll catch up with you soon grace and peace